Hey, Ben, welcome to the Business of Fun podcast. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Awesome. Now, I explained to you when we were, we were emailing back and forth is one of the things with this podcast that I would like to do is I would like to be able to bring people from early in their career to mid-career to late in their career so we can get kind of a lot of different points of view. And you're, to me, you're interesting because you started out in college sports. Um, you got a, um, a master's degree in sports management from, U, from UMass. Then you went on to work for the Aspire Group at the University of Maryland, and now you're working um, in fundraising for a, for a college and for or a, right so the, so I guess I want to start out by um, asking you a couple questions about wh- or one specific question about what led you to move from sports into a different area of fundraising. Sure, Dave. No, that's a great question. So what it was for me is I took stock of what I really enjoyed with sport management, which was building relationships with folks. Um, when I worked for the University of Maryland, I really enjoyed just speaking with different season ticket holders and finding out what they were passionate about. You know, when did they first, you know, so I worked at the University of Maryland. So for them, you know, when did they first become a fan of the Terps? Um, you know, what caused them, you know, to continue to renew their season tickets, whether the team was good, they weren't doing so well. Um, and just what I found really just kind of from hitting the phones there was just I really enjoyed getting to know about people. Um, so, I, so essentially kind of what happened for me was that, you know, I was down in Maryland, which is great. My family's more in Massachusetts. I was looking to make a move back into the area. Um, but it was actually a good friend of mine. He said, you know, Ben, he goes, I know you've enjoyed doing the sports, but he goes, do you actually ever think about getting into education? I kind of looked at him. I said, absolutely not. Um, but he kind of made a few of the comparisons. He said, you know, kind of just like in sports, you know, if you're educating people, you have to be able to convey a thought very cohesively. Um, you have to use a lot of passion and energy and excitement. And I kind of reconsidered it. So I actually decided to get into education, um, which led me into fundraising. Um, I actually uh, worked for a prep school in Massachusetts for a little under two years, and I did extensive traveling, um, actually nationally and a little bit internationally too. Um, but just really what I found, Dave, was that regardless of who you talk to, what year they graduated from the school, what their business background was, everyone just really appreciated a, to be heard, and B, to understand what was happening with their institution. Yeah, and, and that's another reason that I really wanted to uh, you know bring you on is because the parallels between what you do now and the way that translates to if you were work, still working in college sports, to me are, um, you know, they're obvious. And the thing that is interesting is you brought, up, you brought up even before we were talking about relationships, and then you brought up relationships at the start. And... One of the things I wonder about is I'm curious about is how is the relationship process that you develop now, how is it different or, or how is it the same as what you were doing when you were in college and where have you sort of um, grown those skills? And let me back the question up a little bit because one of the themes that's kind of developed in the podcast is, you know, I started out in sports and then I kind of have become the, the revenue architect and the king of consulting here. Um, you know, I had Kara Parkinson from Audience View who came from outside of tickets into tickets. And then I had uh, uh, Lauren Teague who started out as social media director of the PGA Tour and who now has gone out and she does stuff at hospitals and social media uh, as a consultant. And so what, one of the things that we've kind of de- developed over these conversations is I, I want to expose sort of the growth process from being more well-rounded so that, like, you know, just not being in sports – 
or just not being in the private sector and then coming into sports. So some of those lessons that either maybe get missed or are often overlooked. Or maybe if that's unclear. Maybe I got no, long-winded. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's that's great. No, I, I, I completely understand where you were coming from. So, uh, no, the, like, so I guess when I was back in Maryland, um, I think the biggest thing I learned was just to relax on the phones. Um, I think for me, what I realized was that, you know, while selling season tickets was the number one goal, just really building that relationship was very important. And then you would get to talk about the season tickets. Um, you know, so for me, it was kind of sitting back and learning. I remember there is a, uh, a phrase my manager used. It's kind of like, you know, following the listener. So, you know, you know, what is the person on the phone? What do they want to talk about? What are they passionate about? You know, and I think that by uh, listening to people, you know, people have a lot of things going on in their life. They don't always have the opportunity just to share what's on their mind. And by taking that extra five minutes and listening, then when you have some ideas that you want to bring to the table that I found that those people on the other line, especially if it's more of a cold call or maybe just someone you've never spoken to before, they in turn seem to be more receptive to listen to what you have to say. Um, and then, you know, really, David, it's funny. It's, it's a lot of what you write about in your emails. It's just about, okay, what value can I provide in this conversation for this person, right? So, you know, for, so for what I do right now with the, uh, a fundraising, let's say I'm calling someone, I want to introduce myself, see if they're interested in making a donation. Well, if I find out that they're, they're the class of 1987, and I've actually recently been in touch with a few of their classmates, a lots of times we'll bring up their classmates and say, hey, you know, have you heard of these people? And then by using that to build relationships, I found that to be successful. And I think it can kind of be brought back to sports as well. Because I think with sports, you know, perhaps maybe there would be another season ticket holder, um, who knows, maybe in their industry or that shares an experience with them that, you know, if you could kind of really show uh, the, the person on the other line that they're part of a family, they're part of a community, I really think that that might be something that, that uh, sports sales um, could kind of borrow from, from fundraising. Yeah, and it's interesting that you talk about that as far as being part of a family because – and you mentioned my, my emails and the newsletters and stuff. And I, so I know that this theme that I'm about to highlight is not new to you, which is the idea of nostalgia and the fact that like nostalgia in sports or in, in college or almost everything plays such a powerful role because most of the time I think where marketing and sales fails is we assume that people are making a decision based upon logic when in truth almost or Every decision is made with emotion, and then it's justified with logic. And so it's, it's interesting to hear you talk so much about this, basically nostalgia now and then describe it in such a way because I know that one of the things that you guys have been working on now is something that I think is called class captains, which has allowed you to segment um, based on year or based on you know, major or you know, any kind of segmentation. And you have been using a really cool idea where you've been bringing in key alumni that, and I think that really would have a, um, you know, for the college listeners here, but also for like anybody who's trying to sell things, because I think the power of alumni or people who are um, meaningful in a connection between a building, an event, a band, a, a sports team is really important. Can you tell us a little bit about this class captains thing? Absolutely, Dave. So what this is, so, um, so where I work, we're going to be putting on a 65th anniversary celebration um, I believe the last time that our college did this was uh, five years ago for the 60th. 
So we felt in our outreach that, you know, there's the typical channels of going about it. So you can send a uh, mass email to people, you know, you can send a postcard in the mail. But because also the College of Nursing, where I work at, it's very small and very intimate. We wanted to use that to our advantage. So what I did is just I did some research, uh, you know, for these different class segments. Let's just say it was like 1958 to 1962, 1963 to 1967, and so on and so forth about what was happening at UMass Amherst at the time, and also what was happening in the world. So what I did was that, you know, so a lot of these people, too, I reached out. I had never really contacted them, but I just introduced myself and just laid it on the line, you know, shared that we were trying to take more of a personalized approach um, and encouraging their classmates to uh, attend the 65th anniversary celebration. And people seemed to be really um, on board with this. You know, they loved that they could personalize the message um, and that they felt like that they had a stake in bringing the, the College of Nursing family together again. And something that you mentioned, Dave, which I think was really applicable, is I think a lot of businesses could use this with their testimonials. So perhaps, you know, you have someone maybe, let's say, that bought a product and it really made a big difference for them personally or professionally. You know, perhaps businesses could go out and just talk, speak with them and say, hey, you know, you know, we're trying to develop, let's say, uh, a sales strategy um, to reach more people and just to demonstrate the value of this product, you know, might you be willing to author up something? Um, so I, I think there's just so many different avenues just by appreciating our customers that A, will lead to more sales, but also B, I think will turn them into uh, more, you know, rabid fans or really excited about your product and company. Yeah, the, the, the parallels between the two industries especially when you're talking college, because obviously they're basically the same, uh, minus the ticket sales, right? Like um, there's no ticket sales for watching the nurse's nurse. <laughs> but other than that, there's it's basically the same thing. Um, it, it's, really, it's really interesting to me because I, sometimes I think that best practices in one industry don't always trickle down into another. And, you know, that's something I, you know, I don't have to tell you and probably most of the people listening, but that's like something I really focus heavily on is to say – if you're marketing band-aids and you're marketing tickets, there's a process involved to make sure that you're marketing effectively. And there's a variance, absolutely, but it's more uh, similar than it is not in a lot of cases. And to make sure that these processes are great. So, so thank you for highlighting that. Now, I want to shift gears just a little bit here because, you know, like I was talking about with, you know, me or Lauren or Kara um, and some of the other people that I've, I've had on the show – you now are in a different role, and so your relationship with with sports, or is different, and entertainment is different. And I, I'm kind of curious that now that you're not in it day to day, how is your relationship to both the business side of sports and entertainment changed, but also the way you view it changed? Absolutely, Dave. Well, that's a great question. Um, I would say that my relationship with the business of sports is that I really enjoy paying attention uh, to kind of the little, you know, attention to detail. Uh, for instance, you know, how many people are in the stands, like Bernie Mullen, who founded the Aspire Group, says, you know, empty seats are a cancer to your organization. You know, how, how, is, the, how is a sports business doing with their sponsorship, you know? Um, does there, is a sponsorship, are they a good fit between the company, uh, the activation, and what's going on? Um, so I really think there's a lot of different parallels um, you know, because I worked in the sports business, um, you know, that, that that I'm curious to see. But it's also just a lot of just kind of stepping back, 
and you know, saying, do these connections uh, make sense? Um, and then with regards to, I'd say, my enjoyment of sport and entertainment is, no, you know, it definitely is kind of nice to be able to sit back and, and, you know, watch a game and be able to in uh, the gameplay as well as, you know, all the things that are going around. Um, so I guess that, that kind of, for me, has been one, uh, one nice thing to be able to go to a game and just really kind of sit back now. Now, and knowing that too, because sometimes it's fun, you know, and it's sometimes tough for me to go places that not anybody knows me. Um, but yeah. but it happens, and um, and I and I do like that. But what do you find yourself either noticing or going like, oh my god, you? I wish that we could fix this, you know, when when you are out as like an observer. Because sure. I'll, I'll be, I'll tell you, I hate lines I, for beer. <laughs> I hate the yeah. beer lines. That's just me, <laughs> <So> though. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I I really just think the one thing I would change uh, is I, I would just really say just just to kind of make sure that that fans are having a good time at the actual game. You know, so maybe even if the usher walks around, let's say if it's a baseball game, maybe just even if the usher walks around in between innings, like, hey, how's it going? You know, doing a little bit of talking with people. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe they have a little bit of like a comedy routine. Um, almost like, I don't know if you've ever flown Southwest Airlines, but the, but the, uh, people, uh, who are the attendants are just hilarious. You know, they're singing songs. They're, um, they're just putting forth their energy and enthusiasm, uh, in, in just sharing it with the people who fly. Um, and actually there's someone, uh, you remind me, who's the, who's the, uh, who, who's the guy who sent the, uh, rubber chickens in the mail for the season ticket, uh, for the season ticket holders for the New Jersey Nets? Oh, is that, Do you uh, remember his name? Oh my gosh! It's um, shoot! It's uh, Spolstra. I, I Spolstra, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So I actually i had the I had the pleasure of hearing. And it John was his Spolstra. son's name. Yeah, his son's name. I was like, well, it's John." And I was like, well, "Not Eric Spolstra. He's the coach of the Heat. I can't keep. I can't keep up sometimes." <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I actually got to hear John speak at UMass. He came back like in the last year, but you know, he his whole thing was keep people interga- uh, entertained and engaged. They'll put up with a losing a losing record. You know, they'll put up with the long lines or whatnot just because they're feeling entertained, and I think that they're also kind of feeling part of that sport family too. I think that's an important lesson too that has become lost, right? Because I believe it has become, at least my feeling is, and nobody really expresses it, is that far too often they're selling on the wins, and not, and and you know they just feel like if the losses are coming that there's no thing, and you know. Like you said earlier about Bernie Mullen, is the empty seats are a cancer, and you know I, I know that a lot of numbers get thrown around all the time, and it's but my eyes, my lying eyes are showing me that there's like a lot of cancer in a lot of sports, um, you know, and so keeping people entertained and engaged, and really looking for like crazy things like Southwest Airlines or um, shoot, I, you know, I use examples. Um, that are now slipping my mind all the time in my newsletter. But, you know, the Southwest one is great because I know I heard about, like, uh, they would they have creative announcements and they get rewarded for those for who comes up with the most creative announcement. You know, anything like this is going to be great. It's uh, It probably doesn't cost any more money for the ushers to, like, go around and just check in and be nice with people because they already need to be there. You know, and it's, um, you know, I think it's a lesson that gets lost a lot, um, you know, because it's, it's an experience and now – you know, when sports and entertainment gets lumped in with every other entertainment option you have, you are fighting a battle of differentiation that hasn't always been there before. But 
while we're on the subject of entertaining and engaging, one of the things I want to point people to after they hear this is your YouTube your, your YouTube page because I found out just before we got on the uh, podcast here that you are a prolific YouTuber who. Uh, I, and the first one I saw was a Metallica one, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> so where did so where does this guitar playing come from? Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks so much, Dave. So the name of my channel it's called Rock Out Considerably, um, and just what I figure is, you know, just let's kind of have fun with the, you know, with playing music for people. Um, I play the electric guitar, and I some of the videos, um, you know, they span musically anywhere. You'll get some metal. You'll get some classic rock. You'll get some of that jam band stuff. You'll even get some just random songs. I did a song that was called Punk Rock Thanksgiving, all about what it's like to go home with your family. And I wrote it to uh, like a really upbeat, uh, like like a really just upbeat, uh, you know, song tempo. But it's funny because I know this is a business podcast. You know, I think some of the time just we really get wrapped up in, you know, oh, my gosh, you know, what's happening with my business? What's happening with my life? So I created the channel. So I wanted people to be able to say, hey, you know what? I want to watch this guy's Ben's video for 10 minutes. I want to have a great laugh and then kind of go back to doing what I'm doing. So um, that's, It's as that's good cool. as any cat video. I'm telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Dave. And besides the YouTube page, where can we point people to if they want to find out more about you or see you in action? Absolutely. That's a great question. So I would say, you know, um, you know please feel free to add me on LinkedIn. Um, my name is Benjamin Monat. Be more than happy to uh, accept any and all questions uh, or contacts. Um, as far as as far as um, activities that I've done, gosh, that's a great question, Dave. I don't know if I'm if I'm too famous or too far out there yet. Um, but no, please, like I, I I really just I love to learn from people, and I know that you have a lot of great listeners um, on this podcast. So yeah, link, uh, I would say LinkedIn or. Um, also, my personal email, benjaminmonat at gmail.com. That would be great. Awesome. Hey, Ben, thank you for coming on the show and adding a different perspective to what I usually talk about. Um, I feel like it's like very important to talk to people both inside and outside the industry and you know, people who are you know, new, old, or somewhere in the middle um, or ancient like me. <laughs> so thank you again for taking the time. Oh, my pleasure, Dave. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been awesome.